I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome in to the Important Nonsense Podcast Conference Championship Edition. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and we are back once again to help you place your bets and try to give you some an edge in DFS. Of course, there are only two games on the slate. It's only two teams make the conference championship from each div, each conference. So instead, we're going to have to be mixing in some news from around the league and maybe even a little bit of our favorite offseason to- topic, Dynasty Football. Of course, I say our favorite topic because it's not just me. I am joined once again by the Doctor of Dynasty at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. John, how are we doing as we look forward to the conference championships this coming Sunday? Yo, Jack. It is I, Dr. Dynasty. I'm feeling great because really this is the beginning of what I consider to be three great weeks of sports. We get the title games this week, NFC and AFC. Uh, for for my non-football listeners out there, we get the Royal Rumble next week. Can't wait for that. Followed up by the uh, Super Bowl after that. So it's a great stretch for me. Uh, as far as the you know the betting goes, I'm four and six in the playoffs. I got up to two and two last week. Got up to five hundred at least against the spread. Um, just straight up though, I'm eight and two in my picks. So I don't know. It's just kind of a weird playoffs. And um, you know, honestly, you know, the Mahomes injury kind of threw me for a loop. I think if I think if he stays in the game, the Chiefs probably cover that one. Um, they were on their way to doing so. Um, I picked the Ravens to win, which is bad on me. But hey, what can you do? I was kind of drunk on the Lamar Kool Aid, and uh, so Bafangu to me on that one. Uh, it's not just you, my friend. I was all in on Lamar. Just get him a wide receiver one, and get him a center that can actually snap in the pistol. But anyways, enough about that. Be sure to follow John on Twitter at Dynasty PhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC for all of his takes over the final two weekends of football. And John, I hope you're ready for a surprise rumble win from the rated R superstar edge. Yes. first. Edge is going to win the rumble. I think that's a fantastic pick, Jack. Edge uh, was a surprise entrant last year when we still had fans at the Royal Rumble, but he's been on the shelf with an injury, so his surprise comeback would be great. Oddly enough, the heavyweight boxing champ, Tyson Fury, is actually getting a ton of betting action. I would not recommend betting that. Um, but Daniel Bryan is the odds-on favorite uh, right now, at least on the Vegas side of things. And that's where I'm leaning at the moment. But we'll see. Just all sorts of betting advice. But of course, it's not just John joining me as we ra- round out the three-man weave with the IDP Dynamo at the Real NWB. Me, Wallace, Bruce. Me, my friend, how's it going with just three games of NFL football left this season? Thanks, Jack. Look, I was just taking in that moment when you just mentioned it. We are only three games away from the offseason. It's bittersweet because these are the most anticipated games of the season. Championship weekend and then the big dance, the Super Bowl. And the NFC matchup gives us two older QBs who, who shined in the last decade or so. While the NFC title game gives us two younger passers who are going to be, I feel like we're going to be talking about them for the next 10 years. Good times. 
Good times indeed. And good times as well when you follow me on Instagram at the real NWB. And you can follow along with the, all the content that our fantabulous squad will be putting up all offseason over on importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at nonsenseff. But enough about us. It's time to get down to the nitty gritty of everything going on in the NFL. However, before we get to the playoffs, we have plenty of news from around the league. So to start things off, I would like to offer a congratulations to Drew Brees and Philip Rivers on their stellar careers and wish them well in retirement. So Brees ends a 20-year career with 571 touchdowns, over 80,000 yards passing, plenty of fantasy production, and Rivers is the man who ultimately replaces Brees in San Diego, allows Brees to win a Super Bowl in New Orleans, Philip Rivers caps off a 17-year career with 421 TDs, over 63K passing yards, wishing both of these men a beautiful retirement. And Rivers' draft classmate, Ben Roethlisberger, he's not retiring. He, he probably should, but he's not. Anyways, he's going to have a new backup, though, as the Steelers have signed Dwayne Haskins. And you know what? I'll take Haskins over Mason Rudolph every damn time. So I think it's a shrewd move by the Steelers. Just don't hire Hugh Jackson to be your OC. Don't do it. But is there any dynasty value in Dwayne Haskins now? I would think so. I think if there are, if you're thinking about landing spots that could potentially resurrect his value, because right now or prior to his signing in Pittsburgh, it was about as low as you can get. I mean, I, there was no way you would even want to roster him. But now I think with seeing how bad ben, ben, Big Ben played last year, uh, or at the end of the season, I should say, um, and he's obviously coming off a season prior to that injury with an injury to his elbow. I just don't think things are going to get any better. So, um, you know, and there's a lot of talent there. I mean, they obviously they're going to have to re-sign Juju and they're probably going to have to figure out the running back position, but they have a really great culture in place, a great coaching staff, uh, potential on defense on both sides of the ball. So I just can't think of too many better landing spots. So I think there is some dynasty value there. Yeah, I'm going to co-sign that. I mean, I thought Haskins was a uh, by low, to be honest, depending on where he landed. And he's now in a very good spot with the Steelers. I thought maybe Jameis Winston might end up here, but Dwayne Haskins is signed up. So, yeah, the sky's the limit now. Because Big Ben, he could be a season away from retirement. And then Haskins could potentially have the role all to himself with a very potent receiving core in front of him. Exciting things going on in the NFL, and not just that quarterback. If you listened to the show last week, you know that there's plenty of coaching moves happening. And maybe if you've been living under a rock, you don't already know this, but Urban Meyer will be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be his QB of the future. He's also got his new GM in Trent Baalke, which I'm sure me is absolutely thrilled about. And then today he chose his OC earlier, going with former Lions and Seahawks offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, and their defensive coordinator is going to be Ravens D-line coach Joe Cullen. Yeah, look, um, I've talked on this before. Trent Balker was the GM in San Francisco, and he did not get along with Jim Harbour. And Jim Harbour was eventually pushed out by the organization. A number of players retired during that period. So, Ev Meyer, best of luck, and watch your back. Because if he's too outspoken, uh, bad things might happen. We mentioned last week the coaching dominoes would begin to fall once 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala made his decision, and he has now. He had the choice of any job other than Jacksonville and Houston, ops for the New York Jets, and he had an impressive press conference today. 
You should go watch that. But he'll bring along 49ers passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur, and some will tell you that this move was because they love Sam Darnold, want to work with him. Those people are naive, and any Darnold praise we hear right now is a lie. Remember when Cliff Kingsbury told us all that Josh Rosen is our guy? Yeah, good times. How'd that pan out for Josh Rosen? So it will either be BYU's Zach Wilson or Ohio State's Justin Fields or maybe even Deshaun Watson as quarterback in New York. And I know this is bold, but a Jets rookie QB will be more fantasy relevant in 21 2021 and end up being a better value than Trevor Lawrence in year one because Trevor Lawrence is going to get overdrafted. Absolutely. People love those rookie picks. But because of that, you need to go out right now and acquire Denzel Mims. Pause the podcast. Don't walk, run, get Denzel Mims on your dynasty squad right now. You have to do it and then come back to the pod after you're done acquiring Mims. But anyways, with Sala LaFleur, 49ers offensive line coach, and now former Cowboys wide receiver Miles Austin taking over as the wide receiver coach. They also get Jeff Ulbrich, who was the Falcons DC once Raheem Morris left or took, took over for the Falcons. They're all heading to New York. So are we going to see a mass player migration with them as well? Yeah, I, I personally think so, Jeff, because the Jets have a bit of space going into the 2021 season and it's a it's a good situation to go into nowadays who would have thought that but the Jets are the place to be um one of the places to be next season so Richard Sherman is definitely a guy that I can see being um headhunted when he goes into free agency from the 49ers he's on that Darrell Revis trajectory now where he's collecting those big contracts like he Revis did back in the day he followed Robert Sala from Seattle to San Francisco. I expect Sherman to follow Sala once again to the Big Apple of New York. I also think that Carlos Hyde and Jeff McKinnon could be some names that go to New York here because LaFleur is going to want backs. He's going to want running backs that can catch and move to help whoever the QB is um, take the pressure off the QB and also support Michael P. Ryan, who's still developing as a running back in the league. Finally, linebacker. The Jets need linebackers. Uh, CJ Mosley is probably going to come back from opting out, but they could definitely do with some help. And KJ Wright from the Seahawks is a free agent. So unless Jamal Adams, who's his, who used to play for the Jets, is now at the Seahawks, has talked him out of it, I think the Jets are an option for KJ Wright when he enters free agency this offseason. Not to mention that Richard Sherman was on the Chris Collinsworth podcast selling the Jets to Deshaun Watson. So it sounds like Sherman to the Jets is locked in, like you said. Rest of the moves might be fun. Jets might be good again. So anyways, we'll move on from them, though, but exciting times in New York. And for now, it's going to be a QB at one, a QB at two in the draft. We'll skip the third overall pick for now because the team picking at four, the Atlanta Falcons, have tapped Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith to be their next head coach. And now the Falcons absolutely should consider drafting a QB at four. But Matt Ryan's contract makes it pretty much impossible to move on from him this year, we found out. So it's a near lock that in 2021, Atlanta is going to run it back with Matt Ryan, with Calvin Ridley, with Julio Jones, and with Hayden Hurst. So Julio, another year older. And after 2020 season, I truly believe Calvin Ridley is the alpha in Atlanta. So that's a passing game. That's It's all going to be good there. But be on the lookout for whoever they add at running back. I have a feeling it's going to be Najee Harris out of Alabama. But they will be adding a back for sure because Todd Gurley is done for. And that back is going to have tremendous value in the same offense that just got Derrick Henry to 2,000 yards rushing. 
He's brought the legendary Dean Pease out of retirement as well to be his defensive coordinator. Pease was DC for the Ravens and the Titans in his career, as well as added Bears passing game coordinator Dave Rangone to be the OC and Marquise Williams to be his special teams coordinator. So looking like Atlanta could be a spicy favorite to be in the playoff hunt this coming season. We'll skip on down the draft order to number seven. As the Detroit Lions have taken Dan Campbell as their next head coach, it seems like he is the opposite of Matt Patricia in every single way. So for starters, he is shredded, former tight end in the NFL. Personally, wouldn't be surprised if he scored more fantasy points than Jesse James. Kind of kidding, but Jesse James is absolutely terrible. Anyways, Patricia, the conversation was about how smart he was. With Campbell, it's all about motivation. So we'll see how that pans out, going in a complete opposite direction. Never been a coordinator before, so I would have preferred Eric Bieniemy. But whatever, we'll see how this all plays out. We'll see if they keep Matthew Stafford. We'll see if they can convince Kenny Galladay to come back. The Saints, the Saints have a bunch of free agents as well, like Jameis Winston, Jared Cook, Latavius Murray. And so this is really a team that's kind of impossible to predict right now, except for one exception. There is one guarantee in Detroit, and that is that DeAndre Swift is the next Alvin Kamara. Go out and add him now. But is there anything else in Detroit we can be confident at all about? Um, Detroit is going to be better than they were this, this season. I'll say that much. I'm confident that that's going to happen. I feel like... Um, with Campbell and Aaron Glenn, this st- stability. It's not about um, trying to recreate something from another franchise. Um, Campbell's press conference today sounded like he's going to, he really wants to change things with this organization. That brings us to the one of the teams that made a head coach decision. Has or, Sorry, that brings us to one team that's made a head coaching decision that already has their present and future in place at quarterback. We know what they're going to do. The Los Angeles Chargers, they have Justin Herbert in place, and they opt for a defensive mind in Rams first-year defensive coordinator Brandon Staley to take over instead of someone to develop Herbert like Eric Bieniemy or Buffalo's Brian Dable. It can be a risky business, but it does sound like there's a plan at least. Staley tried to hire Rams OC Kevin O'Connell. That failed. Sean McVay told them to GTFO. So it's probably going to be Shane Steichen, but we'll see. Very risky when you pair these defensive minds with these young, talented quarterbacks. See Locke, comma, Drew. Anyways, though, we'll see what happens. Overall, Herbert's stock keeps trending up. He's very talented. Keenan Allen's stock remains sustained. Austin Eckler's stock, he kind of goes up as well. But that's it because Mike Williams and Hunter Henry are free agents, so I don't know what to tell you for anyone else. But I do know the Chargers D is going to be fire next year at the very least. Jack, I actually like this coaching move for the Chargers. Um, I obviously would like it less if they completely cleared house, but – the Spanos family running the Chargers are sort of known for being cheap. So the fact that they kept on some of the coaching staff um, doesn't surprise me. Um, I think the Chargers have just too much talent on defense not to have an elite unit to go alongside their offense and, and their and their stellar quarterback, um, Justin Herbert. I think Anthony Lenz, one of his biggest failures as a coach, you know, X's and O's at times we can call him out for that. But beyond that, I think it was game management. I mean, he was just absolutely terrible at game management, especially in 2020. And I think Staley has all the talent to work with on a defense. But ultimately, if if he is going to be a successful coach with this team, he is going to have to improve uh, on game management, especially if they're keeping the rest of the offensive pieces in place. 
So we'll close out our head coaching hires with the Philadelphia Eagles, who made their decision Thursday afternoon, opting to hire Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. So translation, Frank Reich, we should not have let you go. We're sorry. Can we steal you? Nope. Uh, no, we can't get you. All right. Well, we're going to steal your protege and hope he can copy you well enough. Either way, though, Wentz looks assured to be the week one starter. Pour one out for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, what a shame, Jack. I do think the Eagles made the right choice uh, by parting ways with Doug Peterson. And there were some reports surfacing last week, or I think last week or recently, that Carson Wentz is was somewhat of a head case and hard to coach. Um, I, you know, I this hire makes me think they're going to obviously roll with uh, Wentz or going to going to try to, but I think they should try to move on from him if they can. Philip Rivers is retiring. Uh, that opens up a huge vacancy. So I don't know. Maybe you can still try to pass him off to Indy, but that's not looking like it's going to happen. My hope is they would use that six pick in the draft, maybe take someone like Trey Lance, trade Wentz for whatever you can get and just build around Hertz or have some kind of competition between Hertz and Lance and just roll from there with a couple of cheap quarterbacks. But now it seems like they're uh, stuck with this albatross contract of Carson Wentz. Yeah. Um, look, it was only three years ago that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Fast forward to today, and the Super Bowl coach is gone. The Well, the guy who won the Super Bowl for them, a quarterback, is long gone. And his backup, who is the star nowadays, is potentially following him out the door. Yet, in all of this chaos in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, GM Howie Roseman remains after some interesting draft picks in recent years. I'm looking at you. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, there would have been some calls for change in the front. There would have to be calls for change in the front office if things don't improve in the next 12 months. There just has to be. You can't keep going on like this um, if the chaos continues next season. And speaking of chaos continuing, that does it for coaching hires for now because we're still waiting on news out of Houston. Deshaun Watson has probably played his last game as a Texan. Carson Wentz will probably be the week one starter for the Eagles, just as we all expected. What a world this is. Not so fast, Jack. Let's not be so quick to Photoshop Deshaun Watson in another jersey just yet. Um, he signed a massive extension with the Texans not that long ago. So I think we can look back not that long ago and see when things were good. Yeah, things are bad right now, but I don't know. I still think maybe things can be fixed. I don't know. I'm not saying that he won't be traded, but I just, I'm not here to say that it's a foregone conclusion that they will part ways. Like if he's on their roster opening day next week, I won't be surprised. Now, Doc, I, I, no, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm putting my foot down. He signed that extension under different GM. Where's that GM now? He's in Alabama. He's going to Tuscaloosa to be the offense coordinator for Nick Saban's um, Red Crimson Tide. The the front office has had a change, and Deshaun Watson, he's been, they've done him wrong. Like this is a textbook example of how not to look after your franchise quarterback. If you're trying to build a franchise, you don't treat your franchise play like this. First up. At the start of the season, what did they do? They traded away his best receiver, and they didn't even get the best outcome for it. They didn't even get a first-round pick, so they're already behind the eight ball in next year's draft, or this year's draft as a result. They then didn't get adequate help for Watson to make a playoff push, and then they straight-up lied to the guy. They told him, yep, we're going to involve you in the search for the GM and the new coach. Meanwhile, they were trying to hire the guys behind his back, so... 
why would you want to stay with an organization that continually does these things to you? Um, Andre Johnson, the great Andre the Great, came out and said it himself. Don't hang around this situation. If I'm Watson, I'd be getting out. And in the same way that James Harden felt pushed, uh, blindsided, and pushed around by the front office moves at the Rockets, it's very similar. Watson has been left in the dark here. Times are tough if you're a fan in Houston. Just remember, the Astros cheated, by the way. Never <laughs> forget that. The Astros did cheat. Rough times for Houston, indeed. Maybe Deshaun needs to borrow Harden's fat suit. I don't know. Whatever. That finally does bring us, though, to Sunday, our playoff predictions. And we'll kick things off with a battle between the GOAT, Tom Brady, and the bad man, Aaron Rodgers. So the Bucks are on the road, which means Rodgers and the Packers are three-point favorites. Yeah, Jack, and I, I Vegas has been really kind to us by giving us these lines that are only uh, three points because really it's just a pick them at this at this point, uh, you know, with a line like that. Um, so the Packers are our three point favorites at home. The previous matchup in Tampa Bay earlier this season, the Bucks won thirty eight to ten in Tampa. Um, Brady and Rodgers have played each other four times uh, or five times, excuse me, previously, and Brady is four and one in those matchups. Um, all of those took place or all, all but one of those took place in New England. So, um, And so I'm going to kind of give my spoiler pick away here. I think the Packers could win because it's going to be cold. It could be potentially snowy. And Tampa is a team that historically does not travel well in cold weather. Um, plus, right now, Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. I mean, he's the league MVP, and maybe he's playing the best football left of anyone uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and this really does feel like his year. But uh, I think the Bucks will win, and I just because I think Tom Brady isn't shook by playing in the cold. He is used to it. He's like the Russian in the Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos. He is built for the cold, um, and I think he will lead by example that way. Also, some interesting stat or an interesting stat I think that is against the Packers here since 1969. Teams that have been blown out and losing by 30 points or more in the regular season are 2-8 and eight in those playoff match rematches. Now, the Bucks only won by 28. That's not quite 30, but I think that's close enough that I'm going to go ahead and put that slightly in their favor. Um, the games do tend to be closer the second time around, so I do think this one will be closer. I'm going to take the Bucks straight up. They're going to win. They're going to cover, but will be closer than the first matchup. This time, 31-23 Bucks. Now, Doc, this is a very interesting point you raise because you said that teams that, that get blown out losing by 30 points or more in the regular season are 2-8. and eight. I'm pretty sure the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 2020 are in that figure because they got blown out by the Saints in the regular season, 38-3 to three or whatever it was, and they towered up the Saints last week in the playoffs when it really mattered. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they run into the Green Bay once more. Speaking of running, um, let's get into the over-under. So it's 51.5 for this game. And Tampa Bay are going to run on Green Bay because the Green Bay defense allows for it. They, they have that funnel style. They're more interested in defending the pass. Leonard Fournette, um, if he's healthy, and Rojo, they're going to be involved. Maybe we'll see some Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, they're going to be running. On the flip side, Green Bay are going to throw at Tampa because, well, the Buccaneers' defense allows for that. They're more interested in protecting the run through their front seven. 
And to be honest, the Buccaneers are flooded by some miscues last week by the Saints. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, he is running a scorched earth MVP campaign. He wants everyone, anyone and everyone to know that he should be MVP. This is not a farewell tour like another quarterback who played in the playoffs this year. He wants to stick it to everyone and most certainly to the team that beat him in week six, the Buccaneers. So there's going to be points. No doubt about it. So I'm taking the over. And the Buccaneers, we like the Rams last week. Except, unlike the Rams, they're going to have a more efficient passer who's going to go with their run game and pass rushing unit. However, Aaron Rodgers is the Ice King when he plays in Green Bay, and he'll be cool enough to prevail over the pack. It'll be close, but the pack will win. And um, I don't have any props for you this week, folks, because my bookmaker hasn't loaded them up yet. Uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe I was too successful last week, but they. They haven't released them just yet. So, when your bookmaker finally releases the props, I want you to look at, once again, highest scoring half, first half, highest scoring quarter, second quarter, because Green Bay's offense is just designed for that. They, they want to score early and often. They want to ram the ball down the opponent's throat. So, just remember that, folks. You both make such good points. It's so hard to choose, but you know me. I am a Tom Brady supporter, and I am stubborn. I did call to start the playoffs that the Tampa Bay Gronkineers would score 38 points in the Super Bowl and win. So with that, I've got to take the Buccaneers here. Be prepared to see them put up 34 points on the Packers as they win 34 to 31. But we're going to take a break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after this. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. 
I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE, and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And we are back, and after watching a battle between two surefire Hall of Famers in the afternoon, we get set for a battle between two of the most dynamic young quarterbacks in the NFL as Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills head on down to Missouri, take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And as of Wednesday, Mahomes was practicing in full, but was still kind of, he was listed as limited, even though he practiced for the whole practice, and then today, he practiced practice for most of the practice because it was a full practice. Does it make sense? Good. No, it doesn't? Okay, good, because it doesn't make sense to me either. No matter what, though, it sounds like Patrick might play, so hopefully we get an absolute treat in the AFC Championship. Let me tell you what also doesn't make sense, Jack. I can't believe you pronounce uh, Missouri the right way. So many people do not know how to say that, so kudos to you. Uh, and kudos to us all uh, for potentially getting Mahomes versus uh, versus Josh Allen. That's great. So, yeah, it looks like Mahomes is practicing, and, and oddly, even though he's on the concussion protocol, uh, Cole Beasley looks like he's finally off the Bills injury report, which is great. Um, I think, though, we should be worried somewhat if Mahomes plays, even if even if he does play, he is somewhat the team is somewhat vulnerable just because I, I don't think Mahomes is 100% even if he plays. Uh, he looks like he has maybe a toe or some kind of foot injury last week that might hamper him. So um, I could potentially see, you know, a foot injury potentially limiting their ability to do those, you know, those short run plays that Mahomes is really good at, you know, third and short, for example. Um, so I don't know. But um, we also haven't seen the Bills play a really great football game in the playoffs. And I'm still waiting for that to happen. And maybe this is the week that it does happen. Um, why the Bills, I think, could win. Um, if Josh Allen outduels Patrick Mahomes, and I think there you go. I mean, if that happens, if if all the smack talk about Allen having the better arm finally shows up uh, over Mahomes, uh, great. Maybe Stefan Diggs steps up and he's unguardable. Uh, maybe it's just a dinged up Mahomes, you know, uh, uh, maybe is a little too much to overcome the Bills. I don't know. Um, but I do think the Chiefs will win. I think even if Mahomes is playing at 75, 80%, he's playing at home. He's playing with phenomenal weapons in cold weather, uh, which I know the Bills playing cold weather too. Um, but I still just think that's too much to overcome. I don't think the Bills have the run game or the defensive prowess quite good enough to keep the Chiefs off the field, is, which is what they'll need to do. Um, I think the AFC still belongs to Kansas City. I think the Bills will have to wait at least another year uh, to go to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs will win a close one, uh, a close one at home, 28-24. Wow, 28-24, that's 52 points if my math is correct. And that would be the under in this game, because the over and under is at 53.5 points, folks. Now, I know that in this game, many are focused on the health of Patrick Mahomes. But for me, this game come down, comes down to the other side of the ball, all right? Josh Allen, he's lived a charmed life all season, all right? He's been nearly flawless in the last 10 games of the Bills. He's carried the Bills, put the franchise on his back. So will he maintain his ability to run and also throw to, to Stefan Diggs the way that he beats the position in multiple ways? Or will bad Josh Allen finally make an appearance this season? Honestly, 
The key to this game for me is actually the secondary for the Bills. I said this a month ago before the playoffs started, and I stand by it. And if Kansas City runs into Buffalo, they can be beaten. And this is because of Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, and Jordan Poyer. They have what it takes to stop Tyreek and uh, the rest of the receiving core for the Chiefs. And we're going to see a big play. It's going to happen. And Buffalo can cause a boil over if these guys get to Mahomes, put the pressure on him, and force an interception or two. Coupled with Allen running and extending plays. And so as I teased before the break, I am a stubborn human being, and I picked Kansas City to score 35 points and a loss to the Buccaneers. So of course, I've got to pick Kansas City. And if it stays at two and a half, I'll definitely take that. If it gets above four, though, I may have to parlay the Kansas City money line and a Bills cover. But we'll see how this shifts as the week goes on. But with all that said, wouldn't it be so 2020s for these two elite offenses to hit the under? So we've been through the coaching hires. We've been through talking about the playoff teams for now. But what about the rest of the league? Because we do have some storylines on our hands. So let's run down some of the teams around the league we haven't touched on in the last couple of weeks. And we'll start things off with the team picking at number three in the draft, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Jack. And I think right now, I mean, we it seems pretty certain of how the draft will play out for the first two picks. I mean, in terms of what positions will be taken, it seems like quarterback is inevitable. Um, so the number one question right now, I think, for dynasty players uh, is how these quarterbacks, how does it shake out this season? I think we're going to see Lawrence at one, probably Justin Fields or Zach Wilson at two, um, which would obviously leave one of the other uh, left behind. Will the will the Dolphins take a quarterback at three? I tend to say no. I think Tua will be given another chance, and I think they will take the best player available, whether it's Sewell, Chase, Waddle, Smith, um, just somebody to give Tua some help. Um, maybe they even go defense. So knee, I don't know. Maybe there are there any defensive players sort of worth the consideration at three, do you think? Look, Jack, to touch on that, I think Micah Parsons, the linebacker, is um a, he's a stud, and also Patrick uh Sertain, the cornerback, definitely another stud. But as you said, the draft is about making your team better, and you, you want to take the best players available that can help your team now. So especially at number three in the draft, that's a that's a franchise altering position. So teams at number three don't usually have a 10-6 and six record, but hey, Miami are in that spot with some shrewd moves. So as far as I see it, they should be picking an offensive tackle. They should be giving their quarterback, whether it be Tua or someone else, support. So for me, it's Panay Sewell. But if they're not going to take Sewell, I think they should trade back, and they can still get that quarterback who can compete with Tua or supplant Tua as a starter, because they're not hurting. They, they were just outside of the playoffs this season, uh, and they have cap space if they want to bring in a veteran quarterback. So they should really think about how they can set themselves up with um, pick three and not make a rash move. And who knows, maybe they trade Tua and that third overall pick for Deshaun Watson, and they become perennial playoff contenders. Who knows? But speaking of adding a veteran presence either way, another team that may be making a move at quarterback could be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes as well, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, Jack, and I think the reason why they would be in the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes is because of question marks around Teddy Bridgewater, their current starter. I mean, he played all season. 
But I'm wondering, will the Panthers move on from Bridgewater? Um, the Panthers really don't have an out, at least financially, until 2022. So you would think possibly he might have to be involved in a trade uh, to Houston. But even if they can't get Deshaun Watson, I still wonder if there's, they're going to find a way to part ways. Um, and if so, where could he end up? Could could Chicago trade for him? New England, potentially? I don't know. Those are a couple teams just off the top of my head. I'm going to have to disagree, Doc. I feel like Teddy came into his own this season. He he put up his best season since his horrific injury in at the Vikings. Teddy, two clubs, is back. Um, he may not be as exciting as some of the quarterbacks in the league, but he, he does what needs to be done for a franchise. Uh, Carolina was unlucky. They, had, they lost McCaffrey. Their defense is young and coming together, but I think having him and P.J. Walker as a one-two punch of quarterback that's a stable quarterback room for me, and you don't want to disrupt that, especially with what Matt Rule is trying to achieve on offense. So I'll say if Deshaun Watson is an option for them, then they will move on from Teddy Bridgewater. Like you said, he was super solid this year, Neat, but you can't say no to a stud like Deshaun Watson if it's available. But otherwise, they have to hold on to Teddy pretty much. There's no point in just cutting him for the sake of cutting him, trading him for a low-round pick if that's all they get for him. Maybe they do trade up to three and draft who's left out of Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Maybe they wait and take Trey Lance or Mac Jones. But regardless, I think that Carolina probably should bring Teddy back at the very least as a bridge mentor kind of quarterback, help these young quarterbacks along like Alex Smith did to Mahomes. And that's the worst case scenario is if they draft a rookie. But We'll see what happens with them. I think Teddy will be on the roster week one and probably starting. But a team that is moving on from a quarterback, and no, I'm not talking about Drew Locke, is the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and and remember when is is the lowest form of conversation, Jack. But with the Denver Broncos, I think we have to start small and build from there. So remember when uh, John Elway last hit on a draft pick or a free agent signing not named Peyton Manning? Um, it's been a while. I don't. So the times are a change in Mile High City. They're finally getting a GM not named John Elway. This is wonderful. So what do you two think? What sort of impact could having a GM not named John Elway in Denver do for this team? Or is it gonna are we finally done holding this team back? Look, man, Denver's in Colorado and marijuana is legal there. So I feel like the, the blunt has been lit under Vic Fancio's seat. Um it's gonna be warm from uh, the rest of the year on was for him. If this season is another flame out for the Broncos, George Patton, the new GM, is going to get a new coaching staff. He's going to get his guys in there. This offense is young, and Patton has already said that Drew Locke has room to develop as a quarterback. So it sounds like they'll be bringing in competition this season. As of Von Miller on the defensive side, I feel like the decision on his future is out of Denver's hands, depending on what happens with the um, criminal cases he's going through right now. And that's kind of what Broncos insider Benjamin Albright seems to think as well. If you're a new GM and you've got a six-year contract like Peyton, your best option is to just sit back, take an observation year, see how things play out, and then if Fangio fails, like you said, then you bring in your guy. So be prepared for the Broncos to bring in some competition for Locke, but probably not in the draft. Look for Locke to start week one and for Denver to maybe bring in a Gardner Minshew, a Mitchell Trubisky, or a Nick Foles to compete, and we'll see how that all shakes out throughout the season but one thing is for sure whoever that quarterback is they are going to have some fantasy value either way a healthy Cortland Sutton is back ready to take over that alpha x role that Tim Patrick even dominated in that's no slight to Tim Patrick he was great but he's probably moving on in free agency and Cortland Sutton is just 
phenomenal. He's just better. I'm sorry. And then another year for Jerry Judy to develop and for KJ Hamler to develop as well. Then we've got Noah Fant, Albert Okui Boonham at tight end. This offense is going to score points. So be ready. Just we have to wait and see who that quarterback is. But Drew Locke could be looking at that third year Josh Allen type breakup breakout. But next, we'll take a look at Nee's favorite team in the San Francisco 49ers. Yay. Don't be too don't be too excited, Nee. I'm so I'm uh, don't be so excited. Bob Sala, he is out at DC, which I know breaks your heart, and he's taking passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur with him. And so now Mike McDaniel is prom- promoted from run game coordinator to the full-time OC. They're promoting inside linebackers coach and former NFL linebacker D'Amico Ryans to DC. Steve probably remembers him from the Houston Texans. So what should we be looking at in San Francisco heading into 2021? Well, Jack, I honestly think we're going to see more of the same because we know that Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, quite literally calls the shots in San Francisco. So it, I don't see any um, difference on defense apart from the quarterback. We'll get to that in a second. I feel like on defense, it might be a more traditional approach because Ryan, being a, a former linebacker, he might want to run things a bit more um, conventional compared to Salah, who was a bit more innovative with his schemes each week. But time's going to tell on that one. Anyway, the key variable for me, as I touched on, is the personnel. And with that, what do you guys think? Should the Niners move on from Jimmy G? And if so, who for? Yes, I'll start it off with a yes. And they should, what they should do, is trade up and secure the third overall pick and take the remaining quarterback out of Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Because both, like like both will be fun phenomenal in New York. Both would be phenomenal in San Francisco. They're both perfect for that Kyle Shanahan system. But what do you think, John? Yeah, I think that I think the 49ers have taken the Jimmy G train as far as it will go. Um, you know, they've gone to the Super Bowl and weren't able to win. They had a lead in the Super Bowl. I think that's about as far as you can go without actually winning the Super Bowl, literally. So um, you know, I think the the Kyle Shanahan, his mind, it's it's it, if give him a player like Justin Fields or Zach Taylor or hell, let's put them in the conversation of being able to get Deshaun Watson. And I mean, all three of those scenarios excite me way more than anything uh, they 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 could get out of Jimmy G at this point. And that's no offense to Jimmy G. I think if wherever he ends up, you know, that's a that's a that's a great find. If if Houston ends up getting Jimmy G and, and some kind of deal or, or whoever gets him. That's great. Like send it back to new England. That'd be a great story. Um, but yeah, I just think the upgrade would be too good to pass up. And if the 49ers ultimately do move on from Jimmy G, do you think that the Patriots would have any interest in him knee or do you think Jimmy G's going to end up staying? Look, um, if I'm not mistaken, the 49ers can basically move on from Jimmy G this offseason without any um, significant hit to their cap. I'm pretty sure there's no guaranteed money from here on out. Um, One thing that we need to consider as well is head coach Kyle Shanahan and GM John Lynch, who was the finalist of the Hall of Fame, by the way, are they came in together and they had a five-year plan. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, we're in year four or year five of that plan. Their extensions, while they did get the team to the Super Bowl, are not set in stone. So I feel like they're going to make a win-now move. It would be nice for the long term if they drafted someone, but I feel like John Lynch is going to have that phone working after the Super Bowl. He's going to be making moves. They're going to want to get someone like Deshaun Watson because they want to get a Super Bowl 
within that five year window so that they can get an extension and build their legacy further. Who knows? Maybe they try and ring up Aaron Rodgers after he wins the Super Bowl and say, hey, come back to the Bay. But that's wishful thinking, I know. Oh, wishful thinking, but beautiful thinking. Anyways, John, do you think that Jimmy G is a candidate for New England? Well, I think it's a possibility because I think the New England Patriots are definitely going to be in the quarterback market. Um, This kind of gets into my next big question about Cam Newton. Um, You know, I I, I think uh, we have to start wondering, is he done? Obviously, I think it's a real possibility he's done in New England. Um, I'm not quite sure he's done overall in, in the NFL. I think there's still some value there. But if he's done in New England what is the next move for them? You know, I don't think they have the draft capital to go out and maybe get uh, Deshaun Watson um, or trade up, you know, as high as number three, potentially. I just think, you know, there's better trades out there for those teams to make. So what are the, what are the Patriots going to do is, uh, are they going to keep Cam Newton? If not, what are they going to do to replace him? Uh, I guess it's a Tupac question. And is Cam done in New England? I think so. I think uh, Cam will probably want to move on from, team he I, I feel like he proved to everyone that he's still got something to go um to give in this league he should definitely get a starting role elsewhere uh as for the patriots they could get jimmy g definitely he knows the josh mcdaniel's offense well they could get someone like ryan fitzpatrick who knows the afc east very well seeing as he plays for the other three teams he would be uh he would make a unique clean sweep of the the division if he played for the patriots but their offense, the, the situation goes beyond just the quarterback. Whoever they bring in has to get support. They need to get a quarterback and give them a dynamic wide receiver who can score touchdowns because the Patriots, they didn't even get to double digits when it came to wide receiver touchdowns this year. And they also need a move tight end. They, they never replaced Rob Gronkowski, and it showed. Teams just lock them up with the pass defense. So if they want to get back to the playoffs, uh, th- those are the moves they need to make. As for Cam, I think I can see him going to another franchise. Could be DC. Um, there's options definitely for Cam. Uh, so personally, what I think is going to happen with Cam Newton, I think he's going to win another Super Bowl as a backup in Buffalo to Josh Allen in 2021. Wouldn't that just be perfect? He would be the absolute perfect backup to Josh Allen. But anyways, we're not talking about the Bills right now. We're talking about the Patriots. So yes, I think they move on from Cam. Maybe they bring in Jimmy G. Maybe they bring in Fitzmagic. Maybe they bring in MVP Mitch, which brings us to the Chicago Bears, who have decided to retain Ryan Pace at GM and Matt Nagy as head coach. And it's being made clear that they need to win in 2021 to keep their jobs. They'll also need to replace DC Chuck Pagano, who has retired. So aside from that, what else do we need Chicago to do if they are going to win in 2021? Is there any hope? And is Allen Robinson back and finally going to have a good QB? If Chicago wants to do well, they got to move on from Mitch. <laughs> the, people, the people of Chicago deserve better. Uh... This team has playoff potential, as they saw, but they need a steady hand quarterback. So I don't know if it's Nick Foles or someone else. It could be Jimmy G, who played, who has Illinois roots, but they got to they got to change it up on offense. And Allen Robinson, quite frankly, has had enough. He doesn't want to be a part of it. He's he's given up enough years. He wants to be a part of a good team going forward. 
Yeah, free Allen Robinson and absolutely draft Allen Robinson wherever he ends up next year. But anyways, that does it for the teams that could be making moves at quarterback. The Dolphins, the Panthers, the Broncos, the 49ers, the Patriots, and the Bears are the teams that might be looking at a new QB with a the same head coach. But what about those non-playoff teams that are pretty much running it back in 2021? We'll start with the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a great place to start. My big question for this team is, uh, is is this Zach Taylor's last season to prove that he can coach this team? He's 6-25-1 and and one as a head coach in Cincinnati. Um, also, when I looked him up on the internet, I had no idea he was from Norman, Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner, baby. Boomer sooner indeed. And that winning record is not pretty. My word. Uh, wow. Anyway, uh, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon should be good to go for week one. So, yeah, I think if Taylor can't get it done, these young weapons and hopefully an additional pass protector in Penny Sewell when they draft him uh, in the first round, then it's time for the Bengals to move on because they put together a special offense. This reminds me of when Cleveland drafted Baker Mayfield they had to move on from a couple of coaches because they realized what they had at this they can't waste the talent at their disposal right they can't waste it but here's the thing about Bengals owner Mike Brown he doesn't like to spend his money and he doesn't want to pay a guy not to coach he did the exact same thing with Marvin Lewis in the past. So I'd imagine Taylor is out of guaranteed money after this season, probably signed a five-year deal with three years guaranteed. So once that guaranteed money is out, they'll fire him if they haven't improved. But if not, don't be surprised if they wait so they don't have to pay them, which is just real world getting in the way of fantasy football and of our football enjoyment. It's just, it's, it's, you hate to see it. You absolutely do. But up next, we have one of the quieter teams of the offseason in New York as the Giants have really been avoiding headlines aside from the fact that they're looking for a new O-line coach. Other than that, it's been pretty dead silent out of New York. Yeah, which is really surprising. You know, the Jets uh, are kind of dominating the headlines, the New York headlines right now. And I'm just kind of waiting for the Giants to do something to win the headline back. But maybe we'll maybe that won't happen. We'll see. Um, But my big question for this team is Daniel Jones, both the present and the future for the Giants at quarterback, or are they going to be giving him the boot soon? Well, Doc, as you said, the Jets have made moves, and uh, the Yankees and the Mets have made moves in baseball. Brooklyn just traded for James Harden, but the Knicks have done nothing, because they're the Knicks. And Dave Gilman is still the general manager of the Giants, so that means there's going to be more Daniel Jones in our future. Yeah, it really does. And I think this is kind of where the league is going. They're doing the Sam Darnold, the Baker Mayfield, the Josh Allen. Jones is the guy for year three. They'll maybe add a steady non-threatening backup for him in the mold of Case Keenum or Joe Flacco. But I think this is the new norm in the NFL. If you're not Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, or Sean Watson, where you've clearly broken out by the end of your second season, then teams are going to go all in on building around you for year three, give you a strong supporting roster. And then if you fail to meet expectations, they're going to move on like the Jets are going to do with Sam Darnold. So it worked with Baker, worked with Allen this year. So they're going to be built or they're going to continue to be built around. It didn't work with Darnold. And we'll see if it works with Jones this coming year. And it'll be the exact same thing with Drew Locke to a lesser extent. They'll probably get a more threatening backup. But don't be surprised when they're running it back as well, giving these year three quarterbacks a chance to really shine. 
Now, I think we all know that the Cowboys are going to bring back Dak Prescott. Maybe he's not the week one starter, depending on his recovery, but Dak Prescott will be the starting quarterback for Dallas as soon as possible. Uh, if, if Dallas moves on from Dak Prescott, that, <laughs> that's a travesty, but we're not, we're not there yet. But in terms of moving on, should the Cowboys move on from Ezekiel Elliott and trade him if someone bring, brings up the phone for him? Yes, 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 yes. I don't think they could do that fast enough. I think they could save themselves some money. They could use it towards you know paying Dak Prescott. Uh, and they could just move those touches over to Tony Pollard, who I think in 2020 showed, you know, whenever he got an opportunity to play, he was just as effective, if not more effective, than Zeke Elliott uh, was this year. And it just so happens that Zeke Elliott's former head coach uh, with is now coaching in Jacksonville, who has a ton of cap space. Yeah, I know they got James Robinson, but hey, the Tampa Bay Bucks show have uh, shown this year you can never have too many running backs. And one final thing about the Cowboys that gets me excited is their new defensive quarter coordinator, Dan Quinn. And, you know, honestly, it may be an upgrade with his cover three system, but we also saw how bad Dan Quinn's defense was in Atlanta. So maybe Dallas's defense stays bad. Maybe Dak Prescott has to throw for 6,000 yards. And either way, I'm going to be very happy because either way, we're going to be fun on defense or Dak Prescott is going to be forced to ball. Win-win for us. But the Vikings may not be so happy this season. No, they may not. You know, they lost Greg Kubiak this offseason uh, to retirement, which I think was a bigger loss than maybe we're, we're giving credit for uh, in some sense. Or maybe it could be, a, a, you know, an opportunity for change. I don't know. Um, but it's a it's a big sort of uh, hole that, you know, that will need to be filled. Uh, so how will this potential retirement of Greg Kubiak impact the Vikings going forward? Yeah, um, first off, hat trails to Mr. Kubiak. Uh, he won multiple Super Bowls uh, as a player and a, uh, as a coach. So, happy retirement to him. Hope his health improves. Um, but honestly, I don't think it, it adversely affects the Vikings moving forward. Because unlike Russ in Seattle, the Vikings are going to let Dalvin cook. And they're going to give him the ball often. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna keep they're gonna keep Green Bay and Detroit on their toes with this run first offense next season. Oh that that got me. That was a good one, Nee. But it, you are right though, because as of tonight, it sounds like the current in-house favorite to take over as the offensive coordinator is current quarterback coach Clint Kubiak. And of course he is the son of Gary. And Clint's friendship with Kevin Stefanski is what brought the Kubiaks to Minnesota in the first place. So we'll absolutely be seeing more of the same next year. And the Vikings need to take a step forward to get back into the playoffs. Let Dalvin cook, as me would say. And the Cardinals need to make it there for the first time since Bruce Arians left as well. Yeah, no doubt, Jack. This year was pretty disappointing. I thought the Cardinals were going to be one of those teams to take a big step forward and potentially make the playoffs. And they were in it, you know, really up until the very end of the season. But, man, they really faded out um, as the season went on. And a lot of that had to do with Kyler Murray getting dinged up. But I'm starting to wonder, going into the third year of Kyler and Cliff uh, paired at the hip, how hot is Cliff's uh, seat going into 2021? Because right now it feels like it should be scorching hot. Uh, look, I think this season we've got to give a little bit of a mulligan to the Cardinals because Kyler Murray got hurt at crucial points. And the Cards still don't, they don't really have a bruising running back. I don't know if they're going to bring back Kenyon Drake. 
But uh, they could do it with someone who can really bust the tackles. Anyway, Cliff Kingsbury has seems to get the best out of Kyler Murray, so they can't move on from him just yet. No, I don't think they can either just yet. And I, I think with coaches, it's kind of looking like what we talked about with QBs earlier. If you don't prove you're something in year one or two, kind of becomes a make or break year three with these young guys. So we, we already know that Kyler is legit. And with a real quarterback like Kyler in another year to improve the roster, build the offense, the Cardinals absolutely should be in the playoff hunt. Like that, that's just, You should be in the playoffs when you have a quarterback talent as talented as Kyler Murray. And if they're not, maybe it is time to move on from Cliff Kingsbury. And I've got a secret. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a fraud. He, he, I don't think he actually knows how to call an offense, which is why DeAndre Hopkins lined up at left receiver and ran an out, a slant, or a fade every single play. And that's why his running game was so ineffective and still so heavily used. So I think Kingsbury is a fraud who relies on Kyler to save him and now needs to make the playoffs to not be exposed. But maybe I'm wrong, and I'll be happy to be proven wrong if the Cardinals do make the playoffs. But we'll close things out tonight with another controversial coach with the Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, shots fired by Jack. But hey, you know, you might be onto something with Cliff. I mean, he was a sub-500 coach even at Texas Tech. But you're right. Let's move on and talk about the Vegas Raiders. Um, who I love, you know, I, it's one of my favorite teams. I think the NFL is so fun when the Raiders are good. And so for a while this season, I was all jacked up on Mountain Dew, excited by how good the Raiders look, especially after they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They felt like a lock for the playoffs, but then ultimately just puttered out uh, and couldn't make it across the finish line. Um, some of that might have to do with injuries. A lot of it had to do with the defensive court, the defense. You know, they fired their defensive coordinator. Um, you know, but I, I'm starting to wonder though: Is John Gruden? Uh, is he on the hot seat? Uh, is he on the hot seat yet? Oh, uh, look, uh, <laughs> it's Las Vegas. It's a desert, but there's still a hundred million reasons to keep John Gruden. I know it's hot out there, but they're gonna hold on to the guy. I think Mike Mayock, the GM, may have to do better at the draft this year because he could be out. That Henry Ruggs pick that he made last year at wide receiver, it's not looking good. It's looking bad, bad. Definitely not good. And it, like, it would be so Gruden because, because we know he does get the final say in every decision. He makes those picks. Like, he signs off on those picks. He gets the final say. So it's tough to know what picks are his and what picks are Mayock's. But we know that if the luck doesn't turn around, they're going to scapegoat Mayock. Gruden's going to blame him, get a new GM, heading, and then fire Mayock, get a new GM heading into year five. And then they'll get another two, three years to right the ship. And Vegas will suffer that entire time. So we, it's we're heading into year four. It's not going to be fired before year seven. It, it's not going to happen. We have a lot of John Gruden left in our lives. And I don't know if you love it or I don't know if you hate it, but that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. And with that, it means we've just got one podcast left this season. So sad. But to go out on a happy note, John, do you have any parting words for all of our friends out there listening at home? Parting is such sweet sorrow this week because we are taking next week off. Uh, we'll be back and better than ever before the Super Bowl, of course. 
Uh, but in the meantime, check out my most recent player profile on incoming draft prospects that dynasty, uh, you know, dynasty format players should be aware of. This last week, I put out an article on running back uh, Elijah Mitchell out of UL Lafayette. Keep him on your radar. Check out the article on importantnonsense.com. And to all of our listeners and readers out there, don't forget, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong. And be sure to follow John on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC for all of that sweet, sweet Dynasty content, which you can also find over on ImportantNonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. And it's not, not just John's work there. You can find the writings of so many fantastic people, including the defensive mastermind, Me Wallace Bruce, need any parting words for our friends out there as we head into a beautiful championship Sunday? Yeah, look, thanks. It's a pleasure as always, Jack and John, to to talk um, fancy with you guys. But on that note, uh, Dynasty season never ends. And as part of our Dynasty analysis and preparation for draft season, we have the Senior Bowl coming up. Do not forget the Senior Bowl, people, because this game is more important than any other year. And the coaches are going to be from Miami and Carolina. So they got the first, they got a very close look at some of the players we're going to see in the draft. And this is very important because there's no combine this year. The combine has been reduced to virtual sessions. Uh, Pro days will be around where the players can perform at their colleges and show their athletic prowess. But this senior bowl is where it's at. Uh, So definitely pay attention to that game. Also, be sure to check out our articles, as well as um, what we've got coming up with some of the draft prospects coming out for the 2021 draft, because we've got some good stuff. This week, I covered Jalen Twyman, the defensive lineman from Pittsburgh. Otherwise, make sure that your vibes are positive and your tests are negative. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Real NWB for more of his incredible thoughts. And be sure to join us in two weeks as we prepare for Super Bowl Sunday. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it has been a delight as always getting to break down the news and preview the conference championship Sunday. We'll be back to see you in two weeks. So until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!